Oh, well, hi, everybody. <laughs> uh, well, hey, welcome back. I am here with Dr. Jess Smith again. Um, and uh, we are going to jump right in uh, to some, some questions uh, to get into this conversation. And so, uh, Jess, you worked your first shift last night. I did. Yeah. I, I want to throw it once again. I just want to have a quick disclaimer. Once again, I'm not a virologist, an epidemiologist or an infectious disease expert. Um, I'm an informed emergency physician and I'm going to, and a lot of what I'm saying is conjecture. Uh, I know a lot more than the average person. Um, and uh, a lot of these are hypotheses, but I'm going to try to give you as educated of a guess as I can. Um, yeah. There's a lot of unknown right now, but sorry. First, first question. Does being in a bright orange room help? It's not orange, it's salmon. Yes. Actually, it's a little anxiety producing <laughs> with the light on. Yeah, well, tell us, uh, tell us what your hospital is like at the moment. Um, yeah, so things kind of have gotten, um, th there's this feeling that it's, that, I don't want to say the calm before the storm because it actually has been, it actually was a little bit busy last night, but we are, um, things are starting to ramp up and things are getting very serious. Uh, there's a lot of anxiety around right now. Yeah, I think that answers it. There's, there's a lot of anxiety, a lot of unknown. Um, we're starting to see kind of the first wave of what we expected to see um, with the expectation that things are going to get a whole lot worse. Mm-hmm. Do you, uh, do you have some, I guess, patients in your hospital right now? Uh, I don't know. So unfortunately, we don't really have access to testing. We have no idea how widespread this is in our area. We don't know if it's endemic, endemic meaning uh, present in uh, high numbers in the local population, um, because there really has been almost no access to testing, um, okay. unfortunately. And you're in Grand Rapids, just so people know. Yeah, so well, well, so yes, I currently am in Grand Rapids, but my shift was at Owasso, Michigan, which is a little closer to the middle of the state, closer to Lansing. Okay, yeah, that was a that's a question that had been on my mind. I think you know a lot of us, and even you know um, people like myself and others, are kind of being told to stay away from hospitals unless you absolutely have to be there. Um, hospitals are restricting uh, one visitor a day, and you know taking temperatures and all those sorts of things, and so. I guess I feel like a lot of people might have been curious about um, what hospitals are are like. Um, you know, you, you said there's kind of a level of anxiety. You guys are kind of gearing up um, for what will probably be more patients in the future. Uh, but what are you what are you doing maybe to relieve some of those anxieties? Like, I, I mean, I assume we should not you know, you don't want us to be anxious, the average person to be anxious, but you do want us to be careful. Yeah, absolutely. So um, really what it is, things are changing, it seems like by the minute, or at least by the hour. Um, many hospitals and many groups are having meeting after meeting after meeting. And what we're trying to have is contingency plan after contingency plan. Um, just yesterday, we are opening up new wings of the hospital to be able to admit these patients for the, uh, um, the influx that we're expecting and are already starting to see. Uh, and then we're going to have to have more space. And then kind of what are we going to do when those spaces get full? So it's a uh, um, making sure that we're prepared, contingency plans. I kind of have, uh, um, uh, fortunately, I'm, 
have the the opportunity to be kind of on the forefront of, of a lot of this, especially at the hospital I'm a medical director at. And so it's going to be right now. It's a lot of uh, there's some guidance by the CDC and the World Health Organization, um, and but we are going to have to probably start to get a, um, a little more creative moving forward just with the space available and our resources available. Okay, so we'll jump into uh, some questions. I'm gonna actually throw this out here that on, on Facebook that I'm taking questions right now, so we might get a couple more to come in, but um, we did have some questions come in over the past day uh, from some people. One of them was Dean Branson. I think this one, there's a couple from him. And so we'll we'll start with some of those. Dean the Mean Machine. That's right. Dean, Arl, Arl. Dean the Dean. Dean Dean the Mean Machine. Branson. Our old boss, man. So, but um, well, uh, here here's one, um, and I, I think we touched on it briefly the other day, but I, it's still this is good to know. Um, is it true that most people who get the virus will not need treatment? Right. So yes. Yes, um, that is true. And the, uh, the second part of that is we don't know exactly what the percentage is going to be. So the percentages that come out are, are very age. There, there's differences in ages and it seems like the older, the more severe the course, et cetera, the more likely you are to need treatment. But um, what, the ex, what we expect is that there's a lot of people who aren't Di that never get formally diagnosed with it, that have the virus and just have symptoms. Um, and so the actual percentages, we don't know. Um, but yes, by far and away, most people are not going to end up needing treatment. Um, yeah, that was a complicated answer to a simple question. All right. Well, thanks, Doc. Um, here's another question. This, I think this is a really good question. Again, this one's from Dean is uh, for those who check on elderly family or others with compromised respiratory systems, what should they be looking for? Yeah, so the biggest thing that you're gonna see, altered mental status, so confusion, not acting right, um, somnolent, uh, and I'm gonna plug my iPad in real quick. I'll push, okay, you got it? Yeah. Um, so somnolence or increased fatigue, tiredness, um, signs of shortness of breath, so breathing rapidly or shallowly, um, just signs that somebody's not breathing well, uh, high fevers, um, which can go a lot of, uh, along with those other symptoms we talked about, cyanosis or kind of looking, I guess, bluish, like perioral cyanosis, blueness around the lips or fingertips can be a sign that somebody's not oxygenating well. Um, and really anybody that's in distress. So somebody that looks like they're not doing well, um, especially in older populations, uh, have a, um, uh, I guess, a, a lower threshold for getting them evaluated. So um, here's kind of a question uh, concerning uh, maybe checking in on um, some, uh, an older family member or friend, especially if you know, we might be the only caregiver or anybody to check in on them. When we do, what kind of procedures should we take uh, to make sure that we don't expose uh, them to possible harm or, or the virus? Right. So if you have any recent exposures to somebody that's sick or if you're sick yourself, do not go around them. So stay away. One, try to find somebody else to do it. Um, if you are going to check on an elderly or somebody at high risk, 
make sure. So in the hospital, every time we walk in a room, we wash our hands or we use some sort of hand sanitizer. Every time we walk out of a room, we do the same thing. That would be my recommendation. Make sure you're washing your hands before you go see them and make sure you're washing your hands when you leave. Um, try to minimize physical contact, like kissing, hugging, um, touching hands, etc. Like it's, it, it, it kind of, like I said, it stinks for the time being, but I think it's, you're protecting them, your loved ones. Um, you're also protecting yourself. Um, and that's, I mean, that's ultimately a bigger sign of love is protecting them, I think. All right. Um, here's a, here's kind of, it's kind of a question. Um, and, uh, this is from Linda Fallon. She's uh, one of the members of our church. And she, uh, she said, if you had the doctor on again, ask him to explain that it's respiratory and not intestinal. I think that might've been, uh, a, a poke at people buying all the toilet paper up at the stores, but I'm not, I'm not real sure. Yeah, it might've been a poke. Um, so actually as of, it was either today or yesterday, um, that, the that there was a paper released or a journal article released that showed that about 10% of the population, um, the initial signs are gastrointestinal. It's generally diarrhea. Um, so to poke a little hole in that theory, um, there are, this, this virus does seem to be showing in a subset of the population um, that symptoms that preempt respiratory symptoms. So before respiratory symptoms start, that about 10% of the population that is infected with this, that we know of, once again, this is a population that were tested and has um, confirmed diagnoses, that they started with gastrointestinal symptoms. And that's nausea, abdominal cramping, and diarrhea. Not a ton of vomiting with it, but a lot more diarrhea and cramping, bloating, things like that. Not to, so not, this isn't to say that anybody with those symptoms has it. Um, I don't want to incite panic, but, um, be aware that if you do have somebody that has these symptoms, that it's a possibility and you should exercise caution. Hmm. I did not know that. Yeah. I found out this morning. So, or yeah, it was, yeah, sometime recently. Oh, wow. So I guess some people are smart and buying extra toilet paper right now. <laughs> don't hoard. Don't be a, don't be mean. <laughs> Thanks for, <laughs> Thanks for controlling yourself there, doc. All right. <laughs> Number Number five, I uh, I saw some headlines uh, this morning um, that there <laughs> that uh, people between the ages of twenty and fifty four, about forty percent of them are being hospitalized. That or about forty percent of the hospitalizations are coming from that age group. Um, and so, uh, what do you what do you think about that? Because there, what you know, we did talk about it. I think briefly the other day that by and large, you know. It's still not as lethal, from what I understand, for those who are in that age group. But obviously, people are still being hospitalized. Right. Uh, I have a couple theories on this. Um, once again, this is not. This is more conjecture than anything. Um, the uh, and we may find out. So, the big answer is I'm not entirely sure. Um, and and what I've read is we're not we're not entirely sure as a health organization. But I have a couple theories. One is that a lot of the damage done from this virus is actually secondary to your immune response. So um, what they found is that once this virus uh, gets to a certain point in your body, um, you start to have a large immune response to it. So your body releases all these what are called cytokines and inflammatory, inflammatory proteins, things like that. And that seems to be where a lot of the damage is coming from. Um, and 
in younger populations, this actually happens a lot earlier. We have a lot a more robust immune system. So when we're exposed to something, we tend to act a little faster and a little more robustly um, initially. So that's probably what, that's one of my guesses of what we're seeing is that we're seeing these this kind of this early phase where the younger people are showing signs, but it's probably just because we have better immune systems and we're um, reacting a little more uh, acutely. The other caveat to what this is is that less people are. I mean, every most people that are getting this are doing well that are young that are getting it. They are requiring hospitalization. Some are requiring intensive care, and some are in quote critical condition. But it seems that these young individuals actually are recovering a lot better. Whereas on the other side, um, that and, and the word for this uh, inflammatory condition or whatever is a cytokine storm. Cytokines are these inflammatory markers in your body that you're that your body uses to kill viruses and bacteria. Um, and that's a lot of times why we feel so crummy when we have these. So this cytokine storm is a lot later in elderly people. Um, you're seeing it around day 10 in the elderly population because their immune systems aren't as robust. It takes them uh, quite a bit longer to actually mount that immune response. So that, that would be my guess of what we're seeing um, is that we're kind of seeing this earlier presentation of these young people requiring hospitalizations. Um, once again, we're pretty early on in this and in the next couple of weeks, we'll have a little better idea of what the virus is actually doing, if that's actually true, but that's, that's my guess. Um, yeah. Okay. So if you're young running around and kind of ignoring, uh, some of the, um, pleas to, uh, practice social distancing or physical distancing, um you probably should be practicing it i guess is yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely i mean it, i i i uh, um i think i was pretty clear previously on our first podcast whatever we're calling this thing um but this is i mean this is serious this is this is it's it's only going to get more serious and and the people that don't believe or are, are going to see how serious it is in the next couple of weeks um, and anything that we can do to kind of slow this is of the utmost importance, especially right now, as early as we can practice all these measures, these, I mean, call it quarantine, call it whatever you want to social distancing, the, the better long-term we are prepared to combat this thing. Okay. What should we young, old, everybody. Um, what should we be doing, you know, to prevent the spread of the virus besides, the social distancing, physical distancing, whatever you want to call it, um, besides basic hygiene, you know, washing your hands all the time. I mean, I guess, you know, it's not, you, know, you should wash your hands anyways, but I know we're doing it more often than we would otherwise probably at the moment. Um, is there anything else, just general health? Uh, I, I mean, from a lay person, I don't think so. I think practicing normal hygiene, distancing yourself, trying to practice as much of the quarantine as you can. Um, I... I think another thing we can do is try to dispel any rumors that people have that maybe this isn't a big deal or maybe they it's I'm I can live my life and do what I want because people that do that are hurting others um and I mean it it to, to be morose it it can and will result in people dying unfortunately so um one of the best things that I saw was sure it's great for people to do it to avoid getting it but one of the one a uh, um a frame of mind is I have this and I don't want to give it to somebody else. 
Like what, what would I do if I knew I had it and I didn't want to give it to anybody else? Those, those sort of measures. Um, so, so yeah, so it's uh, just being very cognizant about what you're doing, especially in public. I think at home, do whatever. I mean, we can do whatever we want at home. This is kind of our, our safe space. But if, you're, if, you do, if you do have to go out in public for groceries or whatever, just be very cognizant that you could be spreading it or giving it to yourself. All right. Um, will the war warmer weather help? Hopefully warmer weather is on the way for those of us who live in the Midwest, upper Midwest. Um, so, Yeah, so the, um, there have been some studies to show that uh, humidity and heat um, does decrease the amount of time that the virus is present on surfaces. Um, uh, meaning, like the, the virus is present and um, transmissible on surfaces. Um, I would take, uh, not, not to take that with a grain of salt, but I don't know how much that actually means from a transmission standpoint. Um, one thing that warmer weather does allow is for people to be outside more. Um, a lot of times we see these uh, clusters of respiratory viruses in, uh, um, and not, not just the COVID, what we're talking about, but general colds, influenza, they all seem to be winter viruses. Um, and a lot of times the, the, the spread is facilitated because we're all inside. You know, people don't go outside very much. People are, um, it's, it's, uh, uh, people are clustered a lot closer together because outside is cold and blustery and not as pleasant. Whereas in the summer, people are more spread out just physically. Um, but, but there is some merit to the fact that the virus does not last as long on surface in higher heat and humidity. So, um, with that, I don't know. I think that there, there is some hope that it maybe slows things down a little bit, um, but I, I really don't know. Yeah, yeah. Was there anything else that, that you wanna say um, moving forward or anything people you think people should know? Um, things are gonna change by the minute. Things are gonna change by the hour. I already said that. Um, Try to listen to your local health organizations, uh, your local hospital systems about recommendations. Um, another thing is, is, is if you're looking at the actual numbers, if you're trying to track that, which I'm tracking that very closely, uh, they are, they're hard to believe, I think right now, just because as mentioned previously, we don't have testing. We, um, we're really unable to test people right now because we don't have access to any testing. Hopefully that's gonna change really soon. I think there are some measures in place to ramp up testing, which I think is important, um, but it's just not a possibility, at least in where I am right now in the Midwest. Um, I think there are, there is more access to testing um, out West right now, just because they kind of saw this a little bit before we did. Um, pay attention to, yeah, local happenings. Please try to take this seriously. Support your local, you know, I mean, support, support, every, support people however you can. Um, and uh yeah i don't know let me let me ask you about this you know yeah everybody is being quarantined or asked to be quarantined for the most part i mean some people are still trying to go to work um or need to you know um, right it's just part of it uh but then there's the added stress um you know all those sorts of things and you know there's obviously more to us than what we can see we all have mental health uh, that we need to take care of and sorts those sorts of things. Any advice from you? I'm going to probably say, uh, speak into this a little bit, but any, any, anything from you? 
Man, I think you're probably more the expert on that. Um, but uh, shoot, I try to keep a good attitude. I mean, this is all, these are weird times. These are, these are, uh, um, these are, I, I've said that a lot, but these are, these are weird. These are strange times. Um, understand that we are going through it together that this, you're not isolated. You might be isolated physically, but you're not isolated from a standpoint that this is, this is a common experience. Uh, reach out. I mean, shoot, we had this little video conferencing thing that we're doing right now. Um, my kids got read to by a couple people in our church small group today. Um, uh, via FaceTime or what, what have you. So try to stay close, keep in contact with people. Um, but yeah, I think, I think you might have some, some better insight than me. Yeah. Okay. Well, there, yeah, there are some things that I was, I was hoping to maybe just share because as we both know, like mental health is a real thing. I think we need to be spiritually healthy because there's, there's more to us than what we can see. Um, and, uh, so I, I guess, you know, some basic things that I'm trying to do, um, encourage others to do is, uh, you know, not to start the day off with the news. Um, I, I think for so many of us, a lot of us, we're going to get up in plenty of time, hopefully, before we're getting ready for work or to, to figure out what kind of tasks need to be done. And so I think it's it's smart not to not to start off kind of what in a, in a stress inducing way. Um, you know, if you're already social distancing yourself from others and you aren't running out of your house right away, there's certainly no reason to, to start with the news, but start with prayer, some quiet in your life, meditation, um, and even maybe some exercise if you have time to, to go run. Um, or to work out in the basement or, or whatever you you like to do, I think um, that may be helpful. I know it's been difficult for me because part of my routine is get up, read, pray, go to the gym, and the, the gym is not really an option right now. So trying to uh, uh, find other ways um, to do that. So I went for a run this morning, and I, I don't like running. <laughs> so that was that was fun. Um, and then I want to remind people that a lot of churches are, are going online. Uh, we as a church are trying to figure out how do we create a lot of digital content and stay connected with people. I love that your church uh, and your small group did that with your children, Jess. We are doing a lot of things like that. Um, and uh, for those who are listening, who are, are Christians and already involved with a local church, um, I want to encourage you to stay as in, in, involved and connected as you possibly can uh, with with uh, your church, um, you know, it's, it's really interesting with a lot of churches trying to put out digital content, maybe they're Facebook living or live streaming, some of them for the first time. And so to be honest, your local church's quality might not be that of, you know, a larger church or um, a church who has been doing it for a long time. But one of the things I want to encourage individuals to do on Sunday morning if their church is live streaming actually to tune into their particular church and their community so they can stay connected to their community and what their church is doing because your church um, I, I think can uniquely encourage you but not only that uh, you know I, I think during this time although it's difficult to find ways that we are going to be tangibly helping people maybe uh, as showing up in person, but your churches may have initiatives where you're finding ways to help each other, each other collectively uh, through your local community. And so, don't turn, out, don't tune out to your local church um, if you want. You know, you want to listen to a different pastor throughout the week occasionally, or watch a different video. Just do it after uh, your pastor um, talks or, or speaks, or your church has a service. Uh, if um, you know your uh, 
not somebody who prays or a follower of Jesus or are curious, you have a great opportunity here um, to, to listen to a lot of different pastors uh, speak and a, a lot of different people kind of guide you um, maybe spiritually or a time to kind of learn how to pray and to do all of those sorts of things. And so, you know, you can take advantage of uh, this time, but don't ignore um, your mental or spiritual health during this time. I think that would be a mistake because it's going to be really hard, uh, I think, in days to come if when we're, you know, locked inside with just our family, we're not allowed to see friends and, and some of the people we're used to being around and being encouraged by. So, Josh, I yeah. thought of one more thing that I meant to say earlier, not to switch gears or to switch gears, and then we can go back. Um, if that's okay. Uh, yep. The biggest thing, so, and, and this is actually one of the bigger points I wanted to make, so I apologize for making it so late. If you can, stay away from emergency departments. Um, if you are not, so I, I guess um, if you are not sick, and my definition of sick is probably very different than yours. If you have the sniffles, if you have the cold, if you just have a bad cough, this can all be handled at home. Take Tylenol. Um, try to rest, drink plenty of fluids. What you, what is a more likely scenario is you're going to come to the emergency department and get exposed to something bad. Um, then we actually got, are going to do something to be able to help you. I've seen countless cases of we call the walking well of people coming to the emergency department just because they wanted to get checked out. Um, and I would say under normal circumstances, it's annoying. Sorry, but under these circumstances, it's dangerous. Um, and so stay home if you can obviously people that are higher risk elderly folks um who aren't acting right or ha if you have any um severe symptoms shortness of breath uh you know you can't breathe you need to come to the hospital you're having chest pain you need to come to the hospital but if you are just a normal healthy person with a bad cold or flu-like symptoms body aches fevers chills that can be handled at home call your uh, local telehealth call your doctor call for recommendations but do not come to the uh, emergency department if you don't need to, for your sake and for our sake. Um, another situation that's happening is we're getting overrun with these well people, and we're not able to spend the amount of time to uh, um, to spend on people that are actually sick. So that's uh, that was an important point that I wanted to make much earlier that I forgot about until Josh was talking about his stuff, which well, is now, also now we'll encourage people to watch it to the end. Yeah, make, watch the, end, the most the important Facebook. parts at the end. Yeah, most important parts Facebook. at the end. We'll put that on the Facebook. Right at the end. So if nobody got uh, to this point, then they don't actually know to keep watching. Yeah, you, you brought this up last question, and then we'll kind of maybe shut it down here. I heard Tylenol, not Advil at this time. Yeah, yeah. so that was actually, um, there, was some, there was some stuff coming out a couple, maybe about a week ago that showed that there was uh, increased... Increased mortality, morbidity, morbid, increased mortality and morbidity, which essentially means people do worse after NSAID use. Um, and without getting into the specifics of why, it just, for the time being, it's probably safer just to, if you have a respiratory illness, just take Tylenol. Um, dosing for an adult, for a normal size adult, and that's 70 kilograms or about 150 pounds, somewhere around there. It's 1,000 milligrams. So two extra strength Tylenol, you can take 1,000 milligrams three times a day. And that should cover you as far as uh, um, as far as fevers, body aches, chills, etc. Cool, man. Well, um, let's uh, 
start shutting it down here and hopefully this is helpful we'll continue to try to um, meet as often as we can or as often as we feel like we have something to share with somebody that's worth sharing here let me pray for us and uh, we'll conclude so. father in this time of need we recognize that we need you uh, we can certainly grow weary we can grow fearful and grow overwhelmed but you do not uh, and so we uh, we give you thanks for being who you are we thank you for the doctors and nurses and the knowledge that we do have to combat this virus. Uh, we thank you for those who are taking this virus seriously and who are distancing themselves for others. We thank you for your son Jesus who reminds us of your great love for us and that fear does not have to control us. I ask that as we conclude this conversation with Jess that you would guide those in the healthcare field, whether it be doctors, nurses, um, any type of provider, Father, we ask that you give them the tools that they need, the knowledge that they need, the wisdom that they need uh, to move forward during this time. I pray for the sick. Uh, may they find comfort and healing. Uh, I pray for those who are worried about the health of a loved one. Uh, I, pr I pray that uh, you provide comfort for them through the power of your spirit. I pray that you guide pastors, ministers, and churches. Uh, help them to help others without um, hurting I pray for those who are searching and seeking uh, for meaning during this time, and I am trusting that they can find it in Christ. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen, brother. All right. I am going to...